This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. One problem with the health care bill passed by the House this weekend is that we don't yet have a full picture of what it will cost. Never mind the individual mandates, employer mandates, guaranteed issue, new taxes on current insurance, and a government-run health insurance plan. Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, comments. There are a number of things that are impressive about the House vote. One of them is that Speaker Pelosi managed to get a majority of the House to vote for a piece of legislation that a majority of the House does not support. There are moderate Democrats like Jim Cooper of Tennessee who said they do not support this bill, but they're voting for it just to keep the process moving. There are pro-choice Democrats who object to the abortion language in this bill because it would curtail access to abortion coverage that exists exists in the private sector right now. They have indicated that they would not vote for this bill if it were a question of final passage. And if you change that abortion language, then there are pro-life Democrats who will not vote for this bill. Uh, certainly at least three on each side, and so and that was the margin of victory. So there, no matter how they slice and dice this bill, they do not have majority support in the House of Representatives for this bill. So it was impressive that Speaker Pelosi was able to get a majority to vote for it. It was also impressive that Speaker Pelosi was able to hold a vote on this bill before the the American people even had an estimate of its total cost. And I think that was deliberate. The reason is, once the Congressional Budget Office produces an estimate of the full cost of this bill, that will not just include the trillion dollars that they cost uh, that they've already estimated. It will also include the private sector mandates in this bill. This bill would require all U.S. residents to purchase health insurance, require most employers to offer health insurance to their workers, and those are enormously costly private sector mandates. They could reveal, once the CBO estimates those costs, I think they will reveal that the actual cost of this legislation is not $1 trillion, but 2 or $2.5 trillion, or even closer to $3 trillion. So I think what's going to happen moving forward is as the Senate puts together its health care legislation, the public is going to learn more and more about what the House just did, about the cost of that bill, about how it would affect them. And when they see that the cost of this bill is actually twice what Democrats had been claiming, it's not $1 trillion, it's 2 or $2.5 trillion, that's going to make the Senate's job a lot harder. That's going to weaken support for this bill that already did not have majority support in the House. It's by no means a certainty that Congress is going to produce health care legislation this year or this Congress. What has the CBO said and what hasn't the CBO said about this bill? What the Congressional Budget Office has estimated so far is the amount of new federal spending in this legislation, or, or most of the new federal spending in this legislation. So when you add up the expansion of the Medicaid program, if you add up the subsidies to private insurance companies, you add up all the other types of new government spending here, that comes to about $1.2, $1.3 trillion over the next 10 years. That's what the CBO has estimated so far. What it hasn't estimated so far is the cost to you, John Q. Public, of the individual mandate to purchase health insurance that's in this legislation. The money that you will have to send to a private insurance company, whether you want to or not, on penalty of fines or imprisonment. When President Clinton proposed an individual mandate back in 1993, the Congressional Budget Office included those mandatory premiums that you have to pay to the private insurance companies, included those mandatory premiums in the federal budget. They said it was 
a, so- a use of the federal government's sovereign power uh, to compel you to write that check to the insurance company. And therefore, those were effectively taxes, and they were going to count them in the federal budget as federal revenues. That What that did is it revealed the full cost of the Clinton health plan and supporters of the Clinton health plan said that that, was, that really helped to kill the bill when the public saw the full cost. This time around, as I said, the Congressional Budget Office has not estimated those costs. They have not included those costs in the federal budget. So it's a, it's a very interesting story, I think. How is it that the Clinton plan's individual mandate or the, the, the mandatory premiums under the individual mandate in the Clinton plan were included in the federal budget, but the mandatory premiums in the Obama plan are not being included in the federal budget. My own suspicion is that the Democrats worked very closely with the Congressional Budget Office to skirt the CBO's rule about when mandatory premiums will be counted in the federal budget and when they will not. But that's a story that has yet to be told. Now, under both the Clinton health plan and the Massachusetts health plan that Governor Mitt Romney signed into law in 2006, which is basically the Obama plan without a new government health insurance program, without the public option. In both of those cases, the private sector mandates accounted for about 60% of the total cost of that plan. What that suggests is that when the Congressional Budget Office says that the House Democrats' plan will cost $1 trillion or $1.3 trillion, in fact, the total cost of the plan, when they say that federal spending will be $1 trillion, the total cost of the plan, including the mandatory premiums that uh, you and I will have to pay, is actually closer to $2.5 trillion. And I think when the Congressional Budget Office does their final cost estimate of the House plan, that will be revealed to be the case. Now, it won't be revealed in the same way as under the Clinton plan, where both of those figures are included on page one. On the, under the, 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 the Congressional Budget Office score of the House bill, will have new federal spending on page one, which will be $1 trillion. And then on page 20, it will say the private sector mandates are maybe $1.5 trillion. And you can be sure that House Democrats and Senate Democrats will just look at the number on page one, and they won't add the number from page 20 together. But I think that's uh, that's the full cost of the bill is when you add the numbers on both page one and page 20, and it's going to be $2 trillion or perhaps $3 trillion. What is or is not in the House bill that will make it more difficult for the Senate to uh, produce something similar or comparable? There are really three things that the Senate is not going to like about the House bill. The, the, the first and the biggest thing is uh, the creation of a new government health insurance program that would compete with private insurers. There's not much receptivity to that among moderate Senate Democrats. And so what they call the public option is, is, uh, is uh, as one Senate, Republican senator put it, dead, dead on arrival in the Senate. Another problem the Senate is going to have with the House bill is the cost. The House bill has over a trillion dollars of new federal spending. The Congressional Budget Office says that the Senate bill has just under a trillion dollars of new government spending. There are some senators who, moderate Democrats, and those are the ones who really matter in this process, who have said that they have a problem with the cost of the House bill. And finally, there are, uh, the taxes that the House bill uses to raise that revenue uh, are taxes that are not very popular in the Senate. In particular, a income tax surcharge that the House would impose on 
uh, the wealthiest Americans, uh, of about 5.4% that would raise the marginal tax rate for uh, the wealthiest households to 45%. That is not very popular in the Senate. That would hit a lot of small businesses. And it would, like the alternative minimum tax, it would have a rapidly expanding definition of who is wealthy. In other words, the tax is not indexed for inflation, and so more and more Americans will find themselves hit by that tax, not because their incomes are rising, but because inflation is increasing. President Obama has asked specifically, uh, leaned on a lot of members of the Senate and the House to put something on his desk by Christmas. How likely is that? That's not going to happen. The Senate hasn't even uh, put its bill together. They're still waiting for uh, cost estimates on specific provisions to come back from the Congressional Budget Office. Then once those come back, they have to put their bill together. They're going to send that bill back to the Congressional Budget Office. And then once something hits the floor in the Senate, things take much, much longer in the Senate than in the House. The House had three days of debate. Well, three days uh, since this bill was introduced uh, until it was debated, they had one day of debate on the bill. Uh, That is not going to happen in the Senate. The Senate is supposed to be a more deliberative body, and they will deliberate on this bill for a long period of time. And so... It's unlikely uh, that we will see uh, a bill this year. If there is a bill, it probably won't hit the president's desk before March. But of course, there's also a good chance that we won't get a bill at all, although the House vote did make that, of course, more likely. Michael Cannon is director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Follow health care policy as it grinds through the legislative process at Cato.org. 